It's spring and you want to hike, bike, hit up the farmer's market, but the last thing you want to do on a warm, sunny morning is clean house. That's where Greenland Pro Cleaning comes in. They're eco-friendly, allergy-friendly, and locally owned in Asheville. Listeners of The Overlook get a free upholstery and refrigerator cleaning upgrade with their first booking. Just use the code PODCAST at checkout. Make the most of your time this spring and visit GreenlandProCleaning.com slash overlook. Imagine, you're a classical music composer about to premiere your final symphony. Behind the scenes, your family and a stranger are about to throw everything into disarray. Welcome to A God in the Waters, the latest play by the venerable Asheville writer David Brendan Hopes. Look for a lot of laughs, but also a deeper reflection on the making of art and its impact on the people closest to the genius at work. The Sublime Theater presents A God in the Waters, May 9th through 18th at the BB Theater in downtown Asheville. For tickets and details, go to thesublimetheater.org. One of the pitched rivalries in all of sports is probably taking place in your neighborhood, and it sounds like this. It's tennis versus pickleball. Outdoor public courts that tennis players had to themselves since the dawn of history are now the site of community turf wars. They were built as tennis courts over the course of the last 50 years, and they will always be tennis courts as far as we are concerned. It's fair to say that, without any doubt, pickleball is using the space somewhere between 65 and 70% of the time, even though the time allocation is 50-50. I'm Matt Pikin, and this is The Overlook, a podcast about the news, arts, issues, and trends of Asheville, North Carolina. I was surprised to learn there are only 11 asphalt tennis courts in all of Asheville's parks and recreation system. Pickleballers have made those courts their surfaces of choice. They've ardently lobbied city council for courts dedicated to their sport, but for a variety of reasons, those don't appear on the horizon anytime soon. Parks officials have brokered meetings between the two sides and come up with an even-handed, agreed-upon schedule of use that nobody seems particularly happy with. I have representatives from the Asheville Tennis Association and the Asheville Pickleball Association serving up their sides of the story on today's episode of The Overlook. I want to say up front, I have never played pickleball. And to give you an indication of how serious of a tennis player I am, I don't own a racket. I just want to give you, the listener, that context that I have no allegiance on either side of the net. We'll begin with my conversation with Jeff Joyce, a past president of the Asheville Tennis Association, who's also retired from the city's Parks and Recreation Department. We talked a bit about the organization's history and mission, which includes teaching tennis to youth of color. I edited our conversation to focus on the relatively recent shared demand for courts with pickleball players. After the midway break of this episode, we'll hear from representatives of the Asheville Pickleball Association. There are five locations, five parks that have hardcore tennis, and that's Weaver Park, Kenilworth Park, Oakley Park, Malvern Hills Park, and Montford, Montford Park. Park. That's the fifth one. I imagine up until pickleball became a thing, 
you had those courts to yourself. Tennis players didn't have any sense of competition for the space. If the public wanted to use it, there were public spaces. And you had formal programs on some of these other spaces, the larger spaces. When did pickleball even become on your organization's radars? Oh, there's another use for our courts. It was a year or two before the pandemic. Probably 2018 is when the tennis players began to go to one of the parks to play tennis, and all of a sudden they saw pickleball nets set up and pickleball folks playing on the tennis courts. And there were some very, how's it best to describe it, a, a few intense confrontations between tennis players and pickleball players. And the city had the stance that they were multi-use courts. So we, the sport of tennis, had to adapt to that. So and this actually, the- you went, you would talk to the city parks and rec department and say, hey, this is going on on the courts. Were you the first to approach the city parks and rec department or had the pickleball people first approach them, try to get permission to use them? Yeah, that'd be a question for the parks and recreation department. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg on that one. So all I know is basically we tried to coexist for a while and and were successful at it for a while, while there were some very contentious incidents on tennis courts between pickleball players and tennis players we somehow got through it it was worse during the winter time because aston park tennis center closes december 1st of every year so you mentioned some contentious confrontations what would happen i i don't know of any physical confrontations but a lot of verbal in your face confrontations there were, there, there were lots of those were there events that the uh, Asheville tennis association had planned whether clinics or tournaments weekly matches and you would show up and then there'd be pickleball happening was there was it like that the association no weekly games between tennis players yes but no we were not pushed out of any of our association activities or clinics or any of those kinds of things we worked very closely with the parks and recreation department to make sure that wouldn't happen they have a permitting system and we would make sure when we had say a clinic at oakley park that we had a written permit and we would go post that the morning of a clinic that would take place that afternoon you mentioned how you noticed this or at least tennis players began noticing pickleball even before the pandemic it's become much more popular since the pandemic has it become such a glut of activity on the courts that it's become a real problem for everyone are there just not enough clay surfaces now to have to meet both the demand of pickleball and tennis no there's not enough court space and the clay courts at aston park are tennis courts the pickleball really does not bounce on a clay tennis court the competition between courts is for the hard courts the asphalt surface tennis courts gotcha like it like it we the five facilities that that we talked about so exempting so aston park is not part of this issue it's more it's the asphalt court surfaces the five parks you mentioned and between those there aren't that many courts right you mentioned at weaver park i think there are two courts montford there are a total of 11 hard surface tennis courts in town that's That's small by any measure is ridiculously small even just for the need of tennis yes correct correct from your vantage what has the emergence of pickleball done to public tennis in this town it's made tennis players plan better. 
with, yeah, I with, guess by necessity. With, by necessity, with the shared use plan that the City Parks and Recreation Department put together, which we accepted and pre- actually presented that compromise to the city. And the reason for that was that the city had a potential plan of converting the three tennis courts at Oakley Park to completely pickleball and do away with them as tennis courts. That is, wow. what, that is what got the attention of the tennis community because so many things happen at Oakley Park. Reynolds Middle School practices there. They play their matches there. We run clinics there. It's a three-court facility. It's a very popular tennis facility. We did not want to lose that. That would have cut the number of hard-court surface tennis courts down to eight was, in the city. Was the city wanting to funnel all pickleball to Oakley, saying, hey, of the five facilities, let's give one solely to pickleball, but then they can't play pickleball at any of the others. Was that the plan? That was one of the thought processes, but neither did the Tennis Association nor the pickleball group approve of that because their plan was to turn those three tennis courts into eight pickleball courts, and the pickleball community said that was not enough pickleball courts for their use. (laughs) So you had an agreement, if from different vantage points, at least on that. Tell me, where did you present this plan, or the ATA presented an alternative plan? Give me the details of that plan. It, It basically was twofold. One, go ahead and put pickleball lines on all the tennis courts in town. Uh, go ahead and do that. We would rather you do that than us lose the access to three tennis courts. It was would not be fair to the tennis community and especially the young people that play so much at Oakley Park. So we were looking out for the tennis players and the youth of the community with that respect. And then put together not only go ahead and put the lines down, blended lines for pickleball, but put together a schedule to where it's a shared use. Pickleball has their times tennis has their times. How does that work? Because you would think on the surface of it, people might want to play pickleball at the same time. Other people might want to play tennis and vice versa. How do you divide that time that what's optimal pickleball time versus optimal tennis time? We sat down with the pickleball group. We've had several meetings with them, by the way. I want to make sure that's understood. We met with them in June of 2022 at the encouragement of the sports commission in town, along with the uh, Parks and Recreation Department, and had our first general open meeting. What was that like? Were, were you at that meeting? I was there. Yeah, it was, was it tense? Was it odd? <laughs> no, it was not at all. And, okay. And what we told them at that time was we completely support, and we still completely support, pickleball having its own facility. And give them as many courts as they need. And give us a tennis course back. So that is our stance, and, and that has been consistent from day one, is, yes, we will support that concept. We want you to have your own facility because we want places for tennis players to play. And you are cutting into the time that tennis players have to play on tennis courts. So, But the city land is finite. We have affordable housing issues. There's a lot of uses people want to have for public land. And I can't imagine a new dedicated pickleball facility is high on that list. I would have to agree with you, which is another reason that we saw that. The tennis community understands that. Therefore, we felt it was in everybody, the entire community's best interest for us to do that compromise and have a shared access to the tennis courts. 
which, by the way, the pickleball community and the Parks and Recreation Department call racket courts instead of tennis courts, which, gotcha. sorry, the te- you're, you're never going to get the tennis community to buy into that. They're tennis courts. They were built as tennis courts over the course of the last 50 years, and they will always be tennis courts as far as we are concerned. Now, yes, we are open to sharing them, and because, no, I do not see the city putting the money into it that's necessary to have a facility for pickleball that covers all of pickleball, all the courts that they would need in order to house their sport. You mentioned you have your separate schedules. I imagine a lot of people just show up with tennis rackets to go play, and then there's pickleball happening. Are there set hours that you can educate the public about that you know that pickleball players are using this court at these times. Yes. And that schedule is promoted not only on our website, the Asheville Tennis Association website, but the Asheville Parks and Recreation website as well. Plus, there are signs up at every every public park that's got to the, on the tennis court fence as you walk in. So you see who has the priority on the court. And for example, there are five parks that have those hard courts and that are shared. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, it might be pickleball in the morning, okay, at three of the parks. The other two parks on those days have tennis as the priority. In the afternoon, it flip-flops, and it it changes based upon each location. The way we figured it out was we wanted half the courts available in the morning for pickleball and half for tennis over the course of seven-day weeks and the same in the afternoon. When this thing started in April— Early April, I think, is when the shared use facility use and the times that started. It got off to a very good start, I think. I heard almost zero complaints. Seemed like the pickleball folks were coming during their times and the tennis people were coming during their times. Recently, though, I've heard a, a few more confrontations, so to speak, of folks being there at times when it's the other sports use. And there have been a couple, a few confrontations. Now, mm. will that continue? I think that it's incumbent upon both communities to, to try to weed that out. Is it a 50-50 split? Sort? It, is. it is. How do you feel about that? I, of course, there are two ways of looking at that. And I'll be fair and look at it both ways. These courts are tennis courts, as I said before. And tennis should be the priority. But we have agreed to allow the pickleball folks on there. And they deserve the same respect that tennis players do. We have accepted that. And the pickleball players will tell you that, and and this is very common, you can drive by Weaver Park at a pickleball time and you'll see 30 to 40 people all playing and all rotating in and out. And that's all fine and dandy. And you'll see on tennis times, you might only have four on one court and four on the other playing doubles. The way the pickleball folks look at that is that's, eight tennis players and I've got 40 pickleball players the 40 pickleball players should have the priority time have more time that's a crazy way to look at it okay I'll take McCormick Field for example back when I was running that or overseeing that the Indigo Girls came to town and we had a big concert there and there were 8,000 people there compared to generally the tourist draw 2,000 3,000 people there are you telling me that a concert should have priority over the Asheville Tourist Baseball Club on a baseball field? No. 
Memorial Stadium the same way. We've held concerts up there, had Charlie Daniels band up there with 10,000 people one time. Is that more important than the ultimate Frisbee group that might have 30? Numbers don't always tell the true story. It's an interesting point, and I know the city actually now with the plan to renovate McCormick Field, that there is a condition now in the new terms that it will be open for year-round community use right. and in a way that it wasn't before. Pickleball, you mentioned that there might be times where there are 40 people waiting to play as opposed to on tennis times, there will be eight people and they get they form two sets of doubles and they play. Is pickleball eclipsing in terms of the numbers of people playing from what you can see? Are more people playing pickleball than are playing tennis right now? Absolutely not. And I've got some figures in a report from the USTA. Over the year 2020 and 2021, tennis grew more than pickleball is. Really? And yes. Tennis is, is still... It's, the best way of putting it, it far out you know, eclipses the numbers in, in pickleball. If you look at it on a, you know, a nationwide basis, pickleball is, yes, it, it's growing. Racquetball grew back in the 80s big time. And yeah, whatever happened to racquetball? It, uh, is that still happening? Exactly. At one time, lacrosse. Mm. Lacrosse said they were the fastest growing sport in the country. And they were because they went from a very small number to a medium-sized number. And pickleball has grown, and I will give them credit, and I support them playing all they want to play. It's just not at the expense of folks that want to play tennis. What do you think is going to happen? You said tennis is growing. Pickleball is certainly growing. We aren't getting more courts in the near future. What do you think is the tipping point here? What's going to happen? That's a very good question, and I wish I had the answer to. I do believe that if the new Pickleball Association will work with the Asheville Tennis Association and let's put a plan together, and we have always pledged to help them every way they can to get that new facility. Parks and Recreation is getting ready to undergo a master planning process. We will certainly go to those meetings and support not only the growth of tennis, but the growth of Pickleball as well and push the founding fathers in the community to do something. Because if not, the problems are going to continue to snowball. Is there a crossover between tennis players and pickleball players? Are there people who play both sports? Yeah, there are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How has that been for relationships between the, the well, sports? <laughs> some of those folks that play both are some of the better people in town because they see the advantages to both sports. And they enjoy playing both sports, so they want both sports to have access to the courts out there. So, that, that, Have you know, they, they become sort of ambassadors in a way or diplomats between the two sides? They, some of them have tried. And you know, your hardcore pickleball players and your hardcore tennis players don't want to hear the words compromise too much. I think we're just going to have to continue to try our best to get along and work with each other because I, in the next one to three years, I don't see anything happening as far as new court facilities at all. So we're just going to have to continue to, to be the adults in the room and continue to work with each other. And for those that don't want to work with other folks, then they, they may be left out completely. I don't know. It's upon both the tennis community and the pickleball community to get along. More after this.
When you go to an Asheville City soccer club game, you're not just watching soccer, you're welcomed into what players and fans call the South Slope Blues. The South Slope Blues, they're amazing. This is the coach of the women's team, Brooke Bingham. The atmosphere is what makes Asheville City soccer so great. Longtime player Laura Greb. We have the most dedicated fans. We have our South Slope Blues. They post up in the corner of the field every game. They've got their drums, they've got their smoke, they've got their loud voices. You can hear them for miles. Elite men and women players from throughout North Carolina team up in Asheville for a two-month season against other aspiring pros from all over the Southeast. Home games this season begin May 18th at Greenwood Field on the UNC Asheville campus. For details, tickets, and your first steps into the South Slope Blues, visit Asheville City Soccer Club at AshevilleCitySC.com. Christina DePuck is president and David Kelly is vice president of the Asheville Pickleball Association. David estimates he's been playing pickleball more than eight years now, but Christina, David, and others began organizing only about 18 months ago. They became a nonprofit association to lobby for their cause with the goal of developing dedicated pickleball courts in the city. 18 months ago, most people may have heard of pickleball, but now everybody for better or for worse, has heard of it. And for some of them, it's the bane of civilization, which I get. But so many other people are like, yeah, it's so much fun. Things seem to accelerate very quickly in terms of becoming from fragmented, interested pickleball players into an association. You mentioned how you'd find courts that you could play on. These were all tennis courts, right, that you would go to. Am I correct on that? Or were there other places you would go play? There were scattered other places, but none of them were designed for pickleball. I mean, when I was playing, there was an awful lot of stuff going on indoors, in gym spaces. And there still is some of that in, in, for example, Stevens Lee and Shiloh. But since COVID, it has become very much seen as an outdoor sport. And that's continued, right? I mean, culturally. So what is it about tennis courts? Because tennis courts aren't built for pickleball either. What is it about tennis courts that works so well for pickleball? They are there, they are flat, and you can squeeze pickleball courts onto tennis courts. It's far from ideal, but it it is a way to get people playing pickleball. Now, once you started going outdoors, you said COVID necessitated that, and it's kept up that way. When you started playing on tennis courts, I imagine there had to be, wow, tennis players are using the courts we want to use, or you'd be using the courts and tennis players would come. I, that from, I would imagine there'd be that inevitability of just use. The demand for tennis courts had to deeply accelerate once pickleball wanted to use tennis courts. Am I correct in that? So the conversion of all tennis courts into also being pickleball lined was is fairly new. And that was something that we did as an organization in conjunction with Parks and Rec and the Asheville Tennis Association. But prior to that, there were numerous sites which had 
that were dual lined. Montford, Oakley had two of them dual lined, I believe, and I think one in Malvern Park. Did these dual lined courts come from you working with the city? How did that happen? Yes. So there was a period of time as we were waiting to become official organization and doing that process, we began sort of our own campaign of attending the Asheville City Council meetings on a regular basis. So we went there at least once a month as a group. I and maybe somebody else always signed up to be public comment. And so we were letting ourselves known. We were trying to really positively represent the pickleball community, talk about the issues on the courts, talk about the number of people, the amount of interest of pickleball. And we did that for several months, and we got to know people on the council, and they got to know us. And then one day we received a call from the Asheville Parks and Rec that they wanted to set up a couple of meetings between us, the Parks and Rec, and the Asheville Tennis Association. So the Parks and Rec facilitated three meetings, and we were there to really – the ask was we wanted dedicated pickleball courts. And would they turn one of the parks into that? And so what we did after that negotiation of three meetings, the city agreed to line all the tennis courts to be dual line for pickleball and tennis. I can see on one level that solves at least a use issue when you're out there, you have the lines. But on a, on another sense, it doesn't do anything to address the demand. You know, that while you can go out there, now suddenly tennis and pickleball are competing for a finite resource. Am I correct in in seeing it that way? Absolutely. This is a stopgap measure, which basically, it it treats tennis in not a particularly attractive way. What what do you mean? Because that's a sport which is feeling the brunt of of another sport. Basketball is not competing for baseball or... It's not fair for tennis. I guess the closest thing I could think of, indoor, there are basketball courts that at times are used for volleyball, but these are scheduled events. It's not, there aren't pickup volleyball games and pickup basketball games that are looking to use the same facility. So you just spoke to, and I'm going to use the word, an incursion that pickleball made on something that was solely for tennis before. Was there any sort of diplomacy? How, would, how did you go about trying to break bread with the tennis community over this? It was out of necessity, really. I think so, but I also think it's important to know in these negotiations, and always we were always advocating for dedicated courts. We went from 11 line courts to 22 dual line courts. But another part of this conversation was there would need to be a schedule of the courts of when pickleball would play and tennis would play. So all that has been implemented now to so just find how, some reasonable balance and courtesy to each sport. Let me ask you, so how do you go about negotiating schedule because is pickleball a morning sport and tennis is not how did that work that that in the practical sense of creating a schedule that would appease if not harmonize this situation it was for example at oakley a couple of mornings it'd be pickleball up until two o'clock and then tennis would take over other mornings it was tennis as the primary sport if the courts are empty either one can use them and the reality is that, that I think that it's fair to say that without any doubt, pickleball is using the space. If you just look at it, define it as space, somewhere between 65 and 70% of the time, even though the allocation, the time allocation is 50-50. How do you know that? Because I'm on those courts an awful lot. And so because of that, do you 
lobby the city, you said your main goal was to get dedicated courts. That, from what I understand, didn't happen. It isn't going to happen because there just isn't space to turn into courts. Am I right on that? At the moment, there isn't imperative to do it. There is not an there is, imperative. There's no, I mean, right. clearly that has not been a priority for the city. Get that? The city's got a lot of things on its plates, but a lot of other municipalities have managed to make it part of what they do. You mentioned the priorities. I can think of cities trying to develop more housing, for instance, and there's trying to get homeless people off the streets, and there's that, that kind of thing for space. When you look at it in those lights, is, is it a grimace? Okay, I understand. That has to be the way. Or is there some solution that your group is coming up with that you've presented the city with that they're not considering? We have not presented anything to the city. I think we need to really be better with the data we have. We need to really do a feasibility study. I don't see that the city is saying, no, we're not going to help you. Like anything a city or any type of government agency does, we need to gather the information. We need to probably find some more different partners. A public-private partnership would probably work really well. What we know is the city has the land, they have the courts, they have the public places where so much of all this happens. So I, I think it absolutely will be a collaborative I believe, partnership over time. David, you said from your own observation that pickleball is using the courts about 60 to 70 percent of the time. And yet there's, I guess, from what I understand, an equity in terms of schedule that pickleball and tennis get an equal allotment of hours. Yes. So talk about how you came up with that schedule and, and what were the challenges in working with tennis players who understandably in one sense would see this as why do we need to negotiate for our quote unquote courts? Yeah. I would think that would be one of the challenges initially. So tell me, how do you even begin negotiating? So our courts, uh, that's, that term is definitely used a lot, but these are public facilities that, that tennis did not, I, I get that, that they take possession of them and they feel about them that way. But, there are also private places where you can go to play. And just like in pickleball, that's a totally different scenario. You don't own, you don't own this facility. It's not yours. I can see why you would feel that you were harmed by not being able to do something at any point. And, yeah. and again, my, my, I don't have any real beef with tennis. I think they've been shafted in this. That's not gonna. That's not the solution. Is to have endless peace with tennis. It's just. It's not treating a whole bunch of people, engaging in something, passionately, which just keeps on growing. For example, last night I was again at Oakley at, up until maybe six six thirty, teaching. Last night was tennis time. There was sixteen pickleballers out there playing. And no, te- no tennis players. No. These hours, the, the negotiated hours, were not based on you are using this for classes during these times. We're using this time for classes. They were just open hours for tennis and open hours for pickleball. Do I have that right? Yeah. I mean, they, you, there are people teaching tennis. There are teach, people teaching pickleball on those courts. The Parks and Rec, they understand this and they're okay with it. They may change their policy in the future. One of my early educations about pickleball was a New York Times article about volume. And I'm sure you see that you rolled your eyes. I want to tell the audience. And you even, you, you, at the very beginning of this conversation, you alluded to that it's become popular 
maybe to the consternation of some people, noise of pickleball certainly has to do with that. And as you've moved outdoors and you're in neighborhoods like Montford, which is right in the heart of a quiet residential neighborhood, what has been the feedback in terms of noise in neighborhoods and how do you, you as a sport respond to this, these complaints about noise that neighborhoods never had to deal with before? It's legitimate. There's no way around that. That's why it, it would serve cities to think about what they're doing and to build these wisely. There are ways to mitigate, but the location is always, I think, the most important thing. So just, again, making do with what's existing is not what's not serving either the community, tennis, or pickleball. Yeah, and I think to be really fair and honest that in the Monford community, there have been complaints and concerns from the neighbors. We have absolutely, if it's come to any of the pickleball players' attention, we've shared that with the city. It's been talked about at city council. Those neighbors and people have written and made their contacts. I think the Parks and Recs, they, one of the interventions, they turn off the lights a little bit earlier just to kind of control. You know, what can you do? I think there's been conversations with neighbors and tried to do some physical intervention around the course just to be respectful. This might be a completely naive question. Please tell me if it is. Can there be a different material used for the ball and the racket so that tennis doesn't make the same noise? Now, there is a volume to tennis, but it's not the same. What is it about the material in pickleball that is immutable or can something be done for outdoor pickleball? There is some research being done about materials, not only paddles, but also balls. Unless you change it radically, I'm not that optimistic about. So I just think that it needs to be worked out in a, in, a, in a different way. You were talking about your ideal is a dedicated court. Do you have a location that you have proposed or locations? No, nothing like that has come up. We have not gotten that far yet. No. Let me ask you, how many people are members of the Asheville Pickleball Association? And to your estimate of the total participation in pickleball in this community, how, what percentage would you say are members of the APA? We are truly new. We're getting ready to start a membership drive. We are less than 100 members today. We're getting ready to have a, a monthly newsletter come out, and that, that'll start building it. I think we'll be trying to really get to the different courts and different venues to really educate people about us. And what we are really promoting in regard to our membership is that we need each other. The organization needs you. We need you as a member because I believe to go forward and to get to the vision that we have of dedicated pickleball courts, if that's with the city or county or a private investor, we really have to really officially say these are our members, this is who, this is how many we have. And this is a big piece of the community that really desires dedicated pickleball courts. You're getting to a question I have about what are the missions of the APA? Why be a nonprofit organization, membership-based organization? What are you looking for? Our mission talks a lot about that we are an advocacy and an educational organization all around pickleball. We help to help organize the community in regard to tournaments and leagues. One of our big focuses will be youth, not only adults and all ages, really, because that's the beautiful piece about the sport. It's open to just about anyone at all in, in any physical condition with the ultimate goal being dedicated pickleball courts. But I think what if you would, what this has been going on even before we became an official organization, just this past Saturday, they had a free clinic for people who didn't know anything about pickleball. Lastly, in lieu of dedicated courts, is the schedule, the way it's laid out, is 
this treaty, <laughs> can this work for a, quite a while before some other political solution comes to bear? It, it has a finite life because the, the numbers are growing to such an extent that they will be overwhelmed. And honestly, this, this, the city has known about this for a while, so it's not a surprise what's going on. Is there a way to move some of this, the participation back indoors? You were saying how COVID really moved it outdoors and it has stayed outdoors. Is there a way to push it back to some degree into the YWCA or no? Why, why is that? Well, there is, there is still stuff going on there. Don't get me wrong, there is. But that day has come and gone. When I was starting to play maybe seven years ago, I was indoors all the time. And now I can't remember the last time I was indoors. You know, you talked about our mission, not only the practical kind of pragmatic stuff, but just supporting this huge social network. That's the real strength of pickleball. And that is actually the, I don't want to use the word threat, but tennis kind of looks at it as a threat, is that they don't understand that because it is so accessible, that's why it's so popular. So where are we at six months from now, a year from now with Pickleball versus tennis in terms of using the same finite facilities. I think the good thing is we have a really great relationship with the Asheville City Parks and Rec, and we'll continue to nurture that. I think we're really good communicators in talking about here's the good things going on in the courts, and then here are the challenges we're facing. And then I think those challenges will continue to be part of our conversation with them. And I want to be very respectful on this podcast because we've said this every time we've been to city council. It is very hard to talk about pickleball when you have the homeless issues we have in this community and anything else. It is humbling when you go to these meetings and you see what the city is faced and the cost to take care of those problems. And then here we want dedicated pickleball courts. So we want to be very respectful as an organization to say, if you will come partner with us, you figure out what you can do for us and support us. And then let us find some other partners who can come into this conversation of the vision. Wonderful. Is there anything we haven't talked about? Any initiatives, any thoughts that you think is important for people to understand contextually to where we're at? It's really interesting if you look at the small towns around us and the bigger towns. This is putting a lot of pressure on the situation in Asheville because it, the, 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 the contrast is fairly stark. What, what do you mean? What do you attribute that to? Different outlooks, different priorities that, that maybe Johnson City has, Knoxville, Greenville. By the end of this year, 100 dedicated courts. For pickleball, Greenville County. Wow, where and, and where's Buncombe County? On the public system, none. I, I couldn't give you a number in what the private other organizations are having in Asheville. We have zero. At some point in time, it begins to make no sense that we don't have any dedicated courts. If you, it doesn't really matter about the size of town or community or county. Or you take a hundred miles around us, you would find a lot of public courts that communities and counties, their leaders have decided to do and invest in. Because I think the other thing, the elephant in the room is this is a financial investment that has good returns on it. I think for the people that you speak with who are doing this business in other places. So we're not asking for something that would be a money pit. We're asking for something that we believe would be part of economic growth. Remember, the Overlook Live, my first live podcasting event, happens Wednesday, September 27th at the Wortham Center. You'll want to be in the audience for that, so get your tickets now at WorthamArts.org. 
Our first look newsletter gives you just a handful of daily headlines from around the local media landscape to get you on your morning. We also have a weekly newsletter devoted to all things The Overlook that hits you every Friday. Both are free and available at podavl.com slash newsletter. I want to thank my guests today, Jeff Joyce representing the Asheville Tennis Association and Christina DePuck and David Kelly of the Asheville Pickleball Association. These conversations happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. New episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on any social media channel at AVL Overlook. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook. Hey everyone, Matt Pikin here from The Overlook, and I'll get back to my conversation in just a moment. But I'm asking you, the listener, yes, you, listening this very moment, is The Overlook making a difference in your connection to Asheville? Do you know more about what makes this city tick and where we're struggling? If you had to give up one cup of coffee every month to do your part to keep this show going, would you step up? If you answered yes to any of that, and I really hope you did, please join dozens of other listeners by supporting The Overlook with Matt Pikin through my Patreon campaign by giving just $5 a month. Give it higher levels and you'll earn free tickets to my live podcasting events. Your support means the world to me and helps keep this show free for anyone to hear. Go to patreon.com slash the overlook podcast.